welcome to yet another anime podcast. Just who the hell do I think I am? I'm Ninja Boy, and I'm yet another anime podcast host. Hope everyone's doing well out there. We're a couple of weeks into the summer anime season. Truth be told, not a lot of shows have caught my eye so far this season. Though, to be double honest, I haven't really gotten the chance to start them yet because I got a little bit delayed putting this episode together, uh, looking at the spring anime that I was able to finish uh, between a vacation I took during the 4th of July weekend, which made me have to spend a lot of time catching up on work. And I also went to a J-Rock concert for the band Scandal, who did the, uh, I think, uh, ED for Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood and a couple of, and I think an OP for Bleach. Um, so that definitely gives me an idea for another podcast topic about uh, bands that I discovered through anime openings and endings, but that's neither here nor here. That'll be a future episode. Um, anyway, we'll make this one fast and breezy so I have some more time to dig through the 26 series I'm planning on checking out for the summer anime season for next week's episode. Um, spoilers, we do have warnings this episode for the uh, spring and some winter anime. So to recap, uh, this past winter, I kind of took a break from watching anime since uh, I do another podcast, which you, I've mentioned before, the Oscars Death Race podcast. And, you know, uh, I think on a bigger picture, since I'm doing that each year, I'll probably be put in the future taking January through March off on this podcast beyond, you know, doing a preview of what shows look interesting uh, for the winter anime season um, and catching, maybe catching up on what I was able to, to watch. But, you know, in any case, that's that's for future me problems. Um, I will, I still didn't get a chance this season to to catch up on too many of the winter anime se- of the winter anime. I was able to catch up with two, which I'll talk about here. So first up, uh, one we've talked about before, 86 was a holdover from the fall season. Uh, what happened was that it got production delays, and so the last couple of episodes couldn't air before the winter anime started, and you know scheduling issues made it that they had to essentially delay it for two or three months before the last couple of episodes could air in the last couple of weeks. Uh, so I had basically caught up through a little bit halfway through the season before they made this announcement. So I just stopped watching at that point um, in the fall. I didn't quite finish it then, um, and then picked it up here. Um, and I'm I'm kind of glad I did actually because the cliffhanger they left uh, before they took that that mini hiatus would have killed me. Um, anyway, I've talked about eighty six a lot on this show already, but honestly, this is probably the best directed anime from the last decade or so in my opinion. Um, the way they built up to the final cathartic ending that was a long time coming, well deserved by all the everyone in there and even some you know philosophical stuff they had about you know of, of survivors guild and so on honestly i'm not that emotional a person when i watch media i think i've only watched cried watching a movie like twice um but this one got me at least a little bit choked up so um there's apparently more story from from the light novels um down the line so i'm looking forward to hopefully seeing them if they're adapted as well as this one uh, overall 86 part 2 gets a 5 out of 5 from me uh, the other winter show I was able to make time to finish was Dress Up Darling, which is probably the most hyped show from that season with the highest mouth score, I believe. Um, and, you know, definitely uh, people cosplaying Maran all over the place. Uh, directed, uh, produced by Cloverworks, it follows the story of social outcast Gojo, uh, who mostly cares about the craft of making Hina dolls. Um, however, one day after school, he meets Maran, a popular Garugal who uh, discovers that he can sew. Um, finding that out, she asks if he can help him make a cosplay for one of her favorite character since she's not really good at sewing herself. Uh, moved by her insistence that having hobbies you're really passionate about, even if others think it's a little bit weird um, and that's nothing to be ashamed of, um, something that he has a bit of a complex about when a younger friend when he was much younger said that liking Hina dolls for a guy is weird, he decides to help her. So, you know, on its surface level, uh, this so has a lot to make me like it, right? Obviously, you've got a 
pretty cute romance between seemingly opposite personalities, much like uh, last year's Hormia, also a, a Cloverworks that, at least at first, is pretty cute. Uh, Maren, even halfway through, kind of realizes and is self-aware enough that she has a crush on Gojo, um, and though, though he still is somewhat clueless about how he or Maren feels about them. So, yeah, I mean, that that's a little bit better than most romances out there, at least, at least starting out. We'll get to the, the, the con of that later on. Uh, for the more technical side, I mean, I really enjoy anime that can dig into the details of how hobbies or these passions uh, have such specificity. Um, each episode here, you learn a little bit something about how cosplaying works, which is, you know, I'm no, by no means a professional cosplayer, but I dabble here and there for conventions that I go to, and I definitely appreciate cosplayers. And this just seeing the craft that goes into cosplaying, uh, kind of pulling back the curtains um, from you know the importance of choosing cloth to photography skills to makeup to facial transformations with cosplay tape and more. I mean, it's the same sort of detail that draws me to cooking shows like Sokogaki no Soma where they go into the science behind the recipes or sports shows that, go, that do a good job of explaining the rules. It shows the production team and the source material really just give a damn um, and pay reverence to the topic they're covering and, you know, by giving a damn, it kind of gives me an, a hope that they gave a damn about the entire production. It's why shows like Bakuman and Sirobako rate so highly for me. Um, and, you know, and back to the point about it's giving a damn about production, right? Like, I mean, this so does. Now, there may be some questionable motives about what parts they chose to really animate extra well, but you can't deny that the characters designed to the character animation to uh, even the soundtrack all jive with the top quality production that you expect out of Cloverworks, at least most of the time. And then a bit of a deeper level, right? The themes about creativity and really resonate with me in a way that similar to what Keep Your Hands of Azuken did, right? Again, it digs into the ideas of having your passions, pursuing them, and, and why you pursue them, even when it may seem weird to others, or when it becomes when the going gets tough, what push, what, how what gets you to keep pushing through? When other people seem like they're effortless about something, so pulling around the curtain and say, hey, people struggle with things all the time, right? Um, even if it doesn't seem like it, right? That stuff really feeds the, the soul of a creative person, right? And it even hints at broader ideas such as like, you know, uh, you know, Gojo at one point had heard from his grandfather, you need to practice making Hina dolls every day, drawing paint paces to get good at it. Um, but, you know, because he gets involved in cosplay with Marin, he ends up, you know, not really having the time, right? But his grandfather, when he one, when he inspects his work, finds out, hey, you're doing a lot better job. And he implies or even outright says that, you know, this is because you are getting involved. You're getting inspiration from other crafts, other creative fields um, and that are influencing you and, and giving you a newer perspective on things. And you can take things from this field and apply it to the field of your own choice, right? So it's not like they're saying, oh, Gojo will only do cosplay now. Like he still loves his Hina dolls, and, but he's taking inspiration from other fields to inform his own artistry and make it his own, right? And I think that is something that that is a really strong message, I think, about creativity in general, right? Um, it's not something you expect of a show like this, so props for that. Now, where the show falls a little bit short, I think, is while it certainly looks great and has those themes, it's wrapped up in, at what the end of the day, is basically a high school romance, right? And I think, me personally, I, I'm 30 years old now, I think I'm kind of going out of, like, all, all but the really mature ones of those, right? Like, like yes, Mara and I don't doubt it's best girl, right? Especially if you're like me and kind of exposing myself here, uh, you're a little bit, into, like, you're into Genki Gyaro gals. Um, but, you know, I think that the show leans a little bit too hard into the fan service here, right? Like, there's a pretty heated debate in the Discord server I'm in about whether or not Gojo is, like, a self-insert for this rom-com for the viewer to pretend that they're in a relationship with Mario, right? Who, again, 
understandably his best girl. I think he kind of half is a, a self-insert, but half isn't, right? On one hand, he has his moments where he shows his personality and motivations, and, and that's not a self-insert thing at all. On the other hand, when Marwan is being flirty, either knowingly or not, uh, such as when they're taking her measurements, right? The show reverts to the typical juvenile, hee-hee-boobies type of humor that's supposed to play, make his awkwardness and flustering is as playing them for laughs, right? Um, and, and, you know, and, and I get, right? And the, and the Sakuga bits are almost seen exclusively for making Marwan look really good, right? Um, I mean, I get it. He's a horny teenage boy who's a bit of a social outcast, um, and it's kind of expected for someone with his, you know, in, in the throes of puberty to be flustered in that situation. So it's realistic in that regard, but at the same time, they don't ever, it doesn't go anywhere characterized, right? Beyond, there's like a point in episode two where he's like, no, I'm going to steal myself, and she's giving this her all, I'm going to give it my all. And then for the rest of the show, he keeps getting flustered, basically, right? I mean, if he had been a Chad and just put art and craft over Booba uh, for the rest of the show, that would have been a great move, I think, in my opinion. Anyway, and and, and the other part is where Marin is self-aware enough to realize that she likes Gojo. She's just not self-aware enough to realize how how her being a little bit more forward is is impacting him, right? And that kind of... that. Self-awareness and lack of self-awareness is is kind of okay. That's not there. I think I'd even be more like be into it more if she was like actively pursuing him. Like, oh, let me do something to make him like me, right? Like, she knows he likes it. He, she, he 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 knows she knows she likes him. She doesn't really indicate whether she knows he likes her or not, and so she doesn't do anything like in Kaguya-sama, for example, to really pursue and get the get him to like her back, right? I think that's where this so falls short. Now, obviously, you know, I, I, I overall, I, I don't think I, I really was able to overlook the more juvenile nature of the humor, um, whereas on all other metrics, especially on theme, it was it would have been a 5 out of 5 otherwise. So I think I'll give this a 4 out of 5. You know, who knows? Maybe with time, the fan service bits get... get like go away from my memory or gets maybe it gets toned down in future seasons um then maybe this could go up to a five out of five i mean honestly it was on theme alone this would have been a 10 out of 10 for me one of my rare 10 out of 10 shows but yeah oh and also because this is the only winter anime season uh so that i i finished in full as of right now it's the default anime this season for me for uh for for winter but yeah now let's get to spring so, starting off with a sort, a uh, real sort, John Tamapong is a minute-long sort uh, based on the Mahjong Soul a mobile game. Honestly, there wasn't too much Mahjong here, and, and it was too sort for any real substance. It was basically like a bunch of disconnected swords featuring the same characters in different scenarios, and, you know, there was a laugh here or there, but honestly, I only watched it because it was like a minute long and so easy to follow. So, overall, two out of five. Uh, moving on to full-length series, first we have Trapped in a Dating Sim, the world of Otomi games is tough for mobs. Now going in, I knew this was going to be a trashy isekai with a bit of upside uh, because I have read the manga that it's at the end of which been translated so far. And you know, while it kind of eventually leans into some of the tropes uh, it tries to parody about uh, uh, isekai, um, it kind of falls into them, but it does so in a way of, uh, I guess, like tasks fail successfully uh, in that it's always kind of like a fun watch. Uh, basically, our protagonist dies uh, in our world after beating a trash Otome game for his sister. He's probably reincarnated into the world of said game, but as a side character, aka Mob, not one of the main protagonists. Um, he just wants a quiet life in the countryside, but in order to uh, escape an arranged marriage in a world where uh, I would probably literally have killed him in a world ruled by women, he ends up using his knowledge of the game to basically uh, cheat and get the microchance accent uh, mech, and not only saves him from this marriage, but begins his ascent up the nobility ranks despite his best efforts to lay low. 
Um, I'll leave it there without going into too much spoils for the rest of the season. But um, let, let's start with the let's start with the cons of the show, right? Like first off, character design, right? The manga I think looked a lot better, and part of it is that um, maybe it's the fact that it's like it's in motion, and maybe I didn't notice it in the manga. But the eye designs of the characters just look really weird, right? Um, they're pretty non-stand, and and it's not it's not in a good way. Uh, once you get used to it, though, you're able to kind of like look, look past that. Now, as an adaptation, um, honestly, it felt pretty rushed, right? There's a there's a lot of smaller moments of world building. I think that kind of got left out, um, and you know, seeing that the the and and honestly, the 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 production quality is kind of bad, right? I mean, like like the animation looks pretty cheap, and the background colors are pretty flat. And looking, seeing that the the, the studio behind this is Enzi, whose only main work behind this is, is, is Uzaki-chan, kind of tracks. It's not like the creme de la creme of, of production teams. Now. Where the show did keep me, and again, I wouldn't have known this if I hadn't read the manga, so this isn't something that came from the show, but from this from the source material, is three things. One, the world building we get is actually pretty interesting when you're able to dig into it, right? Um, or, or, you know, it's ba- like the idea is it's a world based on an Atomi game, right? And usually the Atomi game is like, you know, based on just, uh, is, is based on, you know, just like essentially the Academy days and the romance, right? But the, there's a whole geopolitical system that has to make that, that romance situation possible and so the 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 extrapolation from the atomic game to what it means for the broader world kind of is actually interesting and a good thought experiment i think um two you know there's a little bit of a killing of the sealed hero type vibe um without the suffering or or false sleep accusations thankfully um where you know he's kind of looked down on as a country bumpkin of a of a of a noble um but ultimately he is able to beat the prince and his friends as the as the underdog and he's kind of smug about it like he knows people hate him he lives he he dives into that but he doesn't do, go all full revenge on, on them, um, which I think is the difference from, from where uh, Rising of the Sealed Hero was a little bit too dark for my taste. And in number three, he ends up beating them uh, in a mech battle, honest to goodness, hand-drawn mech battle. And I mean, I'm a sucker for mechs in general, so like, I couldn't really help myself. Um, now, can I fully recommend this show to others? Uh, no. Um, I, I, if you're an isekai trash, you probably have seen it, um, and it's better than a lot of other isekai out there, but honestly, I wouldn't recommend this. I would say just read the manga, even though... Again, this this also sped through the manga. Like it took a while. It, it, I remember it was it took several months to get up to the point where we are in the manga, which they got up to in like a, in 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 one season, right? So I have no idea what's happening for the rest of the season. I don't know if it's gonna get another season or not. Um, but you know, I will give this one three out of five, right? It, it was a passable way of time. Um, and and if only and and maybe if it didn't have the mech battles and maybe if the war building wasn't as good, it would have been like a two out of five. Um, but between those and his smarmy ass smug attitude, I mean, you know, despite its flaws, I, I think this one is 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 an enjoyable watch if you're able to just turn your brain off and just, you know, enjoy this enjoy the spectacle. Not even the spectacle, right? Just enjoy the sm- the smugness, I guess. Now, anyway, uh, if there was a company known for mechs, it would be Sunrise, uh, which is known for Gundam, and somehow I'm talking about two shows featuring mechs back-to-back, um, technically. Uh, Birdie Wing Golf's Girl, Girl Story is produced by Sunrise, and fe- and despite being about girls, golf, and the Mafia, uh, which, yeah, you heard it right, the Mafia, put a pin on that, um, it still manages to sneak in references to various Gundam and Gunpla throughout, of course, being Sunrise, um, with going so far as a golfing coach being uh, named Amura, uh, and voiced by the same voice actor as Amuro from Gundam. Um, but beyond that, you know, as someone who's actually played golf uh, for like a dozen years of my life, um, there was no way I wasn't going to watch this and at least appreciate 
I, I, I didn't give it, give it a chance, and I'm glad I did, right? Sir, this is in like a hyper elevated reality where it's a similar, which as Mother Basement says, uh, puts it, is kind of like Yu Gi Oh! where people in this world take a game way too seriously, yell out their attacks as they swing their clubs to impart more power to their swings. Um, and in the very first episode, it involves hitting a golf ball between moving train cars to hit a rake precisely for an under quasi legal underground matches of golf for money, uh, including later on a, a, a wind bunker that features a mech transformation sequence for a randomized golf hole in order to for two different factions of mafia to settle the score and let wealthy patrons bet on the outcomes for entertainment. Um, we're also featuring a quasi-homoerotic relationship between the two main characters. Um, yeah, I mean, this basically is just Skate the Infinity with, go with golf instead of skateboarding. I can't say this is a faithful recreation of how golf actually is played, um, um, even if it does the, uh, the I guess, what many people is impressed by the marge, the, the um, and even if it gets a little bit more mar marginally realistic in the second half in the high school arc, um, but, you know, I mean, you know, it does, they do a good job of uh, making it admittedly a little bit, uh, what is a bit of an opaque game to watch, um, seem a little bit more engaging. Um, luckily, we do have confirmation there is actually a second season on the way. Um, so, you know, I'm glad because there was no way you're going to get everything done satisfyingly in, in one season. So, um, you glad, definitely glad to see that. I think it will come out in the, uh, I want to say, in the in the spring, in this uh, winter season. Um, oh, yeah. Also, shout out to uh, Komi Hirose, who provides the OP for this uh, series, uh, Venus Wing, or Venus Line, um, which is her only other anime credit uh, besides the opening for a little anime known as Card so as the ending for card captor sakura um so overall while this does kind of go off the rails and puts the suspension of disbelief and i probably won't be recommending this to my dad who also plays golf um it is an entertaining ride throughout and i could it, it's more than i ever could have hoped of uh four blue bullets out of five so if birdie wing was an unknown quantity coming this season the newest next one was super well known uh the super the uh third season of kaguya-sama subtitled uh ultra romantic now, last we left off, the suits in high school uh, student council, President Shirogane and Vice President Kaguya, um, have not yet confessed to each other. Uh, Treasurer Ishigami has slowly breaking out of his cell after joining the cheerleading team, uh, and Auditor Ino has just joined the crew with uh, Secretary Fujiwara being up to no good as usual. Um, now, the first half of the season is in the same vein as the first two seasons, right? Slice of Life segments showing Kaguya and Shirogane playing games to try and get the other to confess their love first, because as everyone knows, if you confess first in love you lose um, with other characters kind of slowly getting more character development throughout um, there is a bit of an arc with best girl Hayasaka uh, early on in the season that culminates in a rap battle um, one of many this season that aired that particular week actually um, before the second half picks up with the famed school festival arc where after Shirogane gets admitted to Stanford um, for, by early acceptance um, he and Kaguya resolve to confess to each other so that they can in the most romantic way possible so that they can uh, spend what time they have together uh what, they ha what time they have left uh together um so who ends up pulling it off um that would be spoilers but um i will say um suffice to say it this is a long-awaited arc of the manga uh for readers which i which i'm caught up in um and i will say you know perhaps being not anime only maybe reduced my enjoyment of this uh if only marginally right um i i obviously saw the, the what was coming coming and so you know i was hyped in that regard but it wasn't really anything new that i already hadn't experienced to some degree right um 
now, it's not, not that I'm saying it's less satisfying. If anything, you know, there's a whole thing about, like, why they, like, the whole thing about, you know, I, I don't want to confess first, I want you to confess off. It's not just pride. There are, like, actual character reasons behind it um, and, and great character development, right? And so the fact that you can have, um, you know, characterization for what ostensibly is a, is a gag anime, I mean, you know, it, 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 it's well done there. Now, this is a little bit bittersweet, honestly, because, you know, we do have confirmation for an anime movie coming out for the next mark of the manga, um, dealing with the aftermath of the school festival, and sidebar, also an adaptation of Aka-sensei's other work, Oshido Ko, on the way. Um, but it's also been announced that we have about 14 more chapters or so of the manga before he ends it completely. All good things must come to the end, I suppose. But, you know, if we can get a complete adaptation of the manga, especially the Justice for Hayasaka arc, which is in a couple of arcs from here, I think it will be worth it. Now, I don't know if I agree with this season being the number one anime of all time, as it says on Mal, um, top, topping the, where it's currently topping the uh, longtime king of Mal, Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood, but I will give this over, arc overall a 4 out of 5. Now, perhaps I'm more partial to arcs that focus on Isigabi or Hayasaka, um, which is why season 2 is definitely my favorite of the series so far, but... Nonetheless, this is one of the series I definitely made sure to finish this season, and of course, it gets my sequel anime of this season award. Now, next up is inarguably the surprise of the season, even more so than Birdie Wing, I think. A Paripikome, or its English title, Your Boy Kongming, uh, has one of the most bizarre premises, even by anime standards. Famed Three Kingdoms strategist Kongming dies on the battlefield, but is reincarnated whole, uh, younger, younger um, in the middle of Shibuya during Halloween. He thinks he's in purgatory or hell, so he ends up coming to a club where a young performer, Eiko, sings for the crowd. Uh, finding him passed out in the streets the next morning, she helps him out and introduces him to the modern world. Uh, moved by her singing and her kindness, Kongming decides he is going to help her help become her strategist and use all he knows of strategy to help her succeed in the music industry. From there, he helps her raise her profile using tactics reminiscent of his days in the Three Kingdoms. Now, we can't talk about the show without talking about its music. Uh, I actually ended up reading the manga. Um, I, I was going through and I, I found the manga for it on, on Tachiyomi, so I ended up reading up to where it is, which goes further than, 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 the, than the anime. And really, like, yeah, the music here really adds a ton. Um, like, there wasn't any specific songs in the, in the manga, so the music choice here is really good, right? First off, the OP is probably the most successful OP that I've ever seen in terms of doing what an OP needs to do, right? It gets an audience to pay attention to it, right? Right? Um, I know a lot of people on Reddit, at least, uh, only take this show out, um, one of the real high-dive shows also, um, because of the catchy OP Tika Tika Band Band, which is a cover of a Hungarian pop song from back in the day. But it had, you know, catchy beat, vibrant visuals, and um, a dance, and, a, and a, even a dance choreography sequence. So, like, and yeah, people are dancing this at conventions. Um, and then, you know, the ED is also an equally feel-good uh, so, song, literally called Feelin' Good, that actually was featured in D4DJ. Um, so yeah, those were great songs. And then within the, an within the anime, right, like I said, in the manga, there wasn't any specific songs, like lyrics or whatever, put into the... Into the uh, into the into the um, into the manga, but here they they used uh, the sing they 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 Eiko has two main songs plus a third she debuts in the final episode uh, with the singing voice provided by VTuber Kuroki Natsume, aka Ninety Six Neko, um, and you know they the, the sorry maybe they were repeated a little bit too much, but it was just like definitely really crucial to making a, a show about music work, right? Also props to the rapper Kabetai Jin and not only his raps but the translation team for really making that work for an English-speaking audience. 
Now, music aside, you also have the Three Kingdoms illusions. Aiko's boss, uh, Athletic Club, is the Three Kingdoms nut, uh, which those kind of went over my head. I'm not really big on the Three Kingdoms, but again, it shows an interesting premise really taken to a really interesting place for modern day. And at the end of the day, right, there's a real heart to the character in the stories, right? Like, this could have been just 12 episodes of Kong Ming or Komei, like, going all, this is all according to Keikaku as he out, outwits their rivals in the industry and elevates her profile with no no trouble at all, right? But it actually holds back, right? Like, like the like the latter half is essentially one long arc, um, and Kong Ming kind of takes a back seat. He's in the shadows, and he's still moving things along, right? like a good tactician does, but it focuses more on, but he does so in a way where it focuses on the personal growth of Kabataijin and Eiko, which I think is a smart move. Um, now, there is no sequel lined up for this yet, um, but, you know, I'm hopefully, hopefully there will be as the manga as I've read, is, it gets pretty interesting. Um, now, at the very least, I'm going to be cosplaying Kong Ming actually at Anime NYC this year, and my wife going as Eiko, so that'll be fun, right? She heard me listening to the OP one day, and liked it enough instantly and wanted to cosplay. So just so it's the power of that OP. Um, overall, this one gets a four out of five for me, right? I think where it's lacking, I think, is a little bit in the production quality, right? Um, would have liked to see a little bit more of the music, a little bit more of the animation. Um, but this one is definitely a strong recommend for me. Um, in fact, I may end up just making a new category for my anime of the season. I'm going to call this one the surprise anime of the season. Not going to be every season, right? But it's going to be for shows that I just really like. I can't maybe justify it being above other shows, but I just liked it so much that I just can't help but, but want to recommend it and put it in consideration for anime of the year. Uh, the final anime I received finished the season probably needs no introduction. Spy Family or Spy X Family is the juggernaut of the season aside from Kaguya-sama. An adaptation of the wildly popular digital manga from Sonen Jump adap uh, adapted by the joint effort of Wit and Cloverworks. Um, yeah, please, I would definitely want this. Um, I've been following the manga since it started, so you know I, I kind of know, similar to Kaguya-sama, what was going to come. Um, the premise, if you somehow miss it, is that a spy needs to infiltrate the inner circle of a reclusive power broker in a rival country in order to to do so, he needs to have a family so he can attend the the the, the meetings of of um, the school of his of of his son of only the top scholars in the academy. To do so, he adopts Anya, who is a, unbeknownst to him, a telepath, uh, a telepathic orphan, and finds his inner spy monologues exciting. And he mar he fake marries uh, Yor, who secretly to him, but not to Anya, is an assassin who needs to be married so as to not arouse suspicion from the single from the secret police as a single woman of a certain age. Um, this family of convenience um, over over the hijinks that ensue um, find themselves more and more a real family. Now, this kind of fuzzy. This is kind of fuzzy, but the reason this so is so good, I think, is a combination of heart and production quality, right? There's a couple of sequences in here that are anime original, and by God, like, with when they're going all out, it cannot be rivaled, I think, even by MAPPA. Um, and, and honestly, I don't think there's too much to say that hasn't been said by others more eloquently about the character dynamics here, right? Um, I mean, like, like yeah, sir, like, I think in future arcs, we'll get a little bit more on, on Lord, and I think the biggest criticism I have is that Yor is probably a little underused here, especially you don't get to see her being a, a, an, a, an assassin aside from, like, you know, one, her intro sequence and then a couple of daily life sequences where she's freakishly strong and, and freaks people out. Um, but, you know, and of course Anya has her adorableness. I think the first part really focuses on Anya and her meme ability, um, which adds to its success as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, you should definitely go read the manga. And, you know, again, as with Kaguya-sama, I think some of my enthusiasm was, enthusiasm was dampened, knowing what was going to happen as opposed to being on the edge of my seat. Um, so maybe I think, you know, I think with, with Slice of Life anime, um, it's maybe maybe not as important to, like, the adaptations aren't going to be as much, as great as they are in my head. Um, 
but yeah, I think I still cannot help but recommend this as the as one of the best anime of the season. Um, you know, otherwise I'm looking forward to the second core. They, they finished twelve episodes and then they took a break for this season, and I think it'll come back in October. So, no real flaws, honestly, aside from the Yor thing, which honestly is like she's gonna get her time. I know, so um, I can't give this anything but a five out of five. So yeah, those are all the shows I finished. Um, there are a couple of others, right? I wanted to, but couldn't finish myself. Um, first off, you know, we have some 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 uh, leftovers that are going into the next season. Um, I'm Kodoma, oh, I'm Kodama Kawa series like a thirty second sort with like a ninety second theme song um, about uh, Flacker and the life hacks that's con- that's continuing on in the next season. Um, I. I couldn't, couldn't make time to get past uh, the third episode of Ao Asi, the, the soccer anime. I really want to find the time to do so. Um, I will have a chance since it's the leftover. Um, I also could not find a chance, unfortunately, uh, to finish the following shows in roughly an order of wanting to finish them. Uh, Heroines won the show, Executioner and Her Way of Life, Miss Sachiku, Diamond, or Love After World Domination. Um, so, you know, I had those listed as on hold, um, and so they're going to be on hold for a little bit longer. We'll see if I'm able to, to add if this season ends up not being super exciting, going back to watch some of those. I also need to go back and watch Aquatobe and a bunch of Netflix shows, but yeah. Um, in any case, that is a wrap on the spring anime season of 2022. What was your favorite anime from this season? Uh, which one should I overlook? Um, you can let me know on Twitter at YetAnimePod or via email at YetAnotherAnimePodcast at Zemo.com. You can follow my MyAnimeList at NinjaBoy333, Boy with an I. While on the, all the major podcasting services, Spot, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, make sure to subscribe and review at the very least shared with another anime-loving friend. Uh, intro and out to music is by Suichi Sakagami at Tandes.com. Editing and production by NinjaBoy Media. That's it for this episode. We air roughly twice a, twice a month at this point um, we'll, we'll be back next week um, since this episode was a little bit later in this month um, but next time on yet another anime podcast we'll do the first episode reviews of the summer anime season if I can get through all of them um, until then see you space cowboy